Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Red Zone Restricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club and Chris Coughlin as we discuss Liverpool's draw with Crystal Palace. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So yeah, more drop points for Liverpool in their second game of the season and first home game uh, against Crystal Palace. It ended 1-1. Obviously, with Wilfred Zahar opening the scoring against the run of play uh, for Crystal Palace, Luis Diaz scoring an exceptional individual goal to salvage a point from it, uh, for Liverpool after uh, Darwin Nunez got sent off. And Liverpool, unfortunately, unable to find a winner. So, yeah, it's just two points uh, from the first six um, available in this season's Premier League. So we're going to talk about what that might mean for Liverpool's chances. Obviously, talk about uh, the red and the circumstances of it for Darwin Nunez on his uh, home debut for Liverpool. Um, but before we do that, let's start as we usually do in our sort of post-game podcasts uh, with a three-word match review, and we'll just focus on the performance for now. Uh, maybe before we get too much into into Nunez and, and the wider picture. So. Uh, Dan, I'll come to you first. So just just your review and then what you made of how Liverpool actually played um, over the course of that game. Yeah, um, so three-word match review-wise, um, I've gone with how many chances um, because for a large part of the game, it felt like we were doing everything but score. I think certainly until Palace took the lead, I don't think anyone could argue that wasn't against the run of play. Like, credit to Palace, that was obviously their game plan in terms of they brought in the extra defender, they wanted to soak up pressure, they wanted to hit us on the counter, and it worked. It was executed perfectly. Um, Wilfred Zahar gets in behind Nat Phillips, Phillips sets up, away they go. So fair play to them. But from a Liverpool perspective, you know, we, we dominated um, pretty much all of the of the match, even when we went down to 10 men. So there are a lot of positives to take in many ways. Um Apart from, I suppose, the final third, I guess, because um, we were creating a lot. We were getting ourselves into some golden opportunities. And Darwin Nunes had a couple early on. Salah had a couple. We just didn't have the finishing touch. Um, so frustrating night. But in many ways, I'm quite upbeat. Although, obviously, it is two points dropped. And we'll talk about sort of the... Uh, the details of the game as you go on, but performance-wise, there was a lot of positives to take from it, I thought. Yeah, I'll just give my sort of take on it now and then I'll bring you in, Chris, because I think you can break the game down into three thirds, um, as as you, you always do with thirds, because there are three of them. Um, <laughs> so the, At the start of the game, you have Liverpool playing really well. They look, I think, like much more the usual selves. And I was saying while I was watching it, you know, compare this to Fulham and, and obviously being a home helps us a lot. It, it's much more what, what you'd expect from Liverpool. It's much more sort of typical Liverpool. It was a reasonably fast start, first home game of the season, all that. Stylistically, it was kind of what you'd expect. Palace not able to get out Liverpool, applying a lot of pressure, um, a lot of crosses going into the box. And... Yeah, really, in that sort of phase of the game, I think we had three, four chances that you look at and think we probably should score there. Um, and obviously, Nunez and Milner spring to mind. Um, I think Salah had an opportunity as well in there. And then 
you have this goal coming against the run of play. Again, to a degree, you're like, well, Palace, it's probably part of the game plan. So you, you don't really want to paint them as, as lucky too much. Although Liverpool obviously did let them off the hook. I thought the response to that goal wasn't particularly good in sort of the first instance. Um, I thought Liverpool lost kind of the things that were making making them effective in the early part of the game and, and they started to rush a little bit more and they lost composure in their attack and play. And in, in fairness, that was a little bit better at the end of the first half. You know, we, we came close. I, I was actually sort of fully celebrating really when Nunez sort of hit that shot goalwards and hit the post. Um, I really thought it had gone in. Um, so so that was a near miss. But yeah, then obviously coming up to the red card, didn't think we started the second half particularly well either, to be honest. Um, I was hoping it'd be faster. I was hoping it'd be more like what we saw at the start of the first half. But again, it felt a little bit more disjointed, I'd say, and not quite as sort of flowing. Um, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit harsh. And then the, the third aspect of it would be what happens after the red card um, when... The crowd is kind of energised. The team is sort of, I'd say, briefly energised, but obviously difficult circumstances um, with being down to 10 men against 11. Still able to sort of control possession, but I'm not so sure about the approach that we adopted. Um, and I don't know if, if you want to comment on this in a second, Chris, but it felt like we were hitting a lot of long passes towards Salah against Anderson, who's just going to, you know, ever since he's been in the Premier League, he's been someone who's just kind of, wins a ton of aerial battles um, and that's just me and drink for him um, playing up there like that. So, yeah, we weren't really able to create much clear cut in that phase of the game. You were hoping we'd be able to get what would have been really sort of a, an emotional and sort of really like, you know, if, we, if we'd managed to win that game, we'd probably feel incredibly upbeat at this moment and sort of really kind of like juices flowing. But yeah, weren't able to do it. Weren't really able to scare Palace too much unfortunately after what was one of the best individual goals that we've seen in the whole club era from Diaz and, and one that we can't uh, appreciate fully uh, unfortunately because of the result and, and such is the way but yeah I'll delay my three-word match review I guess until we come on to, to Nunez probably makes a bit more sense to do that um, given the, the subject of mine so Chris um, what have you gone with uh, for your review and, and what did you think of the performance, do you agree really with what me and Dan have been saying on it? Uh, well, lads, my my three word match review is making life difficult. Really, um, apart from obviously not having the really at the end, so making life difficult. Um, the reason why I go with that is based off a stat that I saw from James Pierce. Uh, I think it was this morning, in that Liverpool have gone behind in seven of their last nine games in all competitions. Now, we've all watched football for a very long time. We've all watched a lot of teams uh, go behind and fight back. But we all know scoring one goal to win a game is a lot easier than having to score two or three. And I have to say... I'm a little bit surprised that you guys said about the, the, a faster start to the game. I know James Milner had a chance very early on. Crosses were going into the box. But if you look at it in isolation, I, I, unless I watch the highlights back and get proved completely wrong here, just because oh, I saw so much going on, I'm struggling to think of that many moments where I looked at Gaeta and I thought, this guy's under pressure. 
if that makes sense. Certainly early on in the game, the crosses were going in, there were opportunities being caused. Nunez had one of the back posts, of course. But I was looking at it thinking, it's quite slow, this. And then, about 20 minutes in or so, Palace got their first break and you sensed what was kind of coming, just in terms of their style. Eze uh, got in behind and he was offside. But again, the warning signs were there. And Zaha's completely against the run of play, but ultimately it, it was their it was their game plan. It worked to absolute perfection. Um, I have to say the look the reaction to the red card was very good. Um, of course, it's brilliant of Diaz. It's reminiscent of his goal against Tottenham last season, albeit a much cleaner strike of the ball. And I just thought that was the moment where you had to press a bit more, push a bit more. Um, I know it's difficult with ten men, so maybe I'm being overly critical, but. There were parts I just thought Palace were backing off so much. I sensed the nervousness of Palace. I sensed, I sensed they didn't really know what to do on the ball because they had them because they had the man advantage. They didn't really know how to execute it. I know they missed a great chance with Zaha, but I just thought the game was there for the taking. If maybe he brought Cavalio on about five minutes earlier, something like that. Because first half, first twenty minutes, I was sitting here thinking. I'm going to be raving about Harvey Elliott, to be honest with you, on this podcast. But not not that he played badly, but of course, his performance in the first half just got drowned out by everything that happened after that. Um, so yes, frustration. And if Liverpool are to challenge Manchester City, they just have to stop going behind. They really, really do. And there's something I want to ask you about that. I mean, first of all, in terms of what you said about the intensity, I guess, aspect of the performance. I think you, you do kind of hit on something there um, in a way because I thought it, it was a bit strange at times that game. It felt like the dominance was there, certainly yep, in terms yep. of the, the shot counts and all that. But I'm looking at certain moments and I'm like, I feel like we could be, we're taking too many touches in our own half. We're looking sideways too much in our own half. I don't think the crowd were up for too much of the game. You know, I don't want to say too much about the atmosphere. I wasn't there. It sounded quite quiet through the television. Again, sometimes when I go and people say that to me, I'm like, oh, wait, what are you want about it? It was quite loud in the stadium. So I won't say too much of that. But it didn't feel energized too much. If they felt like there were spells of that, don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, in terms of maybe them being on the ropes, mm-hmm. this, it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't necessarily feel like that to the extent that that suggested it. The biggest irony was when um, Is This a Library came out. Was that was the first song Palace fans had sung in 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, I was talking with my uncle after the game and we both agreed that it was sideways. A lot of it was sideways. It wasn't penetrative. And you can be dominant in a game without being... On, if you know what I mean, you can be dominant on the ball without being on top. If that yeah. makes sense, and I think I think there was a little bit of a combination in that. Just just because I talk about did Gaeta have to make stunning saves and things like that. I, I think again, I haven't seen this back. I think Elliot's shot was cleared off the line quite early on. Um, I think I think it was. As I haven't I haven't seen it back properly. Um, but just, there were just there were just moments when the longer it went on without scoring you just sensed palace grew in confidence towards the end of the half especially yeah i think i'm sort of there's moments in the game when i'm sort of looking at the scoreboard making it halfway through the first half we haven't yeah. scored yeah yeah that was and it I'm just, yeah. Just, yeah just getting a little bit kind of concerned but 
Dan, I want to obviously move on to Nunez in a second because that's going to be the thing that everyone inside and outside is going to be talking about for the next few days at least. One thing I wanted to raise first of all, and feel free to completely disagree with this because it's just something that I've kind of noted. You know, we saw the Liverpool team that won the Premier League. Every time it kind of went behind in a game and every time it had to weather a, a storm. And it wasn't really a storm tonight, but... Every time there was moments of adversity, really, they responded in a way that was kind of incredible. And that, and that's why they earned the, the mentality monster's nickname. Do you think that the mentality of this team at the moment is on the same level of that team? Because it seems to me that they're a little bit maybe easier to kind of wobble. Um, but again, that might just be something that isn't really fully substantiated. It's just kind of a heat of the moment take. But what do you think of that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, and I suppose there's two ways of looking at that. I suppose we are easier to wobble. Um, and I suppose the, the stat Chris points towards in terms of going behind in games would, would kind of would kind of suggest that as well. But I suppose on the flip side, we are reacting to going behind. We reacted to going behind tonight and going down to 10 men. I thought we reacted pretty well, personally. Um, certain individuals in particular seem to kind of take it upon themselves to say, well, this can't happen. Um, and we, we didn't create anything clear cut when we went to 1-1, but we had sort of half chances, like if that Salah effort goes in or the Carvalho volley flies in, you know, the whole mentality monsters tag suddenly comes back. Um, I don't think we're playing at the peak of our powers. Um, and I don't think the whole mentality monsters thing is exactly shining through, but there are definitely still aspects of that in play. I would say, and the fact we have gone behind so frequently and in the first two games of this season and yet still managed to come back, I think on three occasions now, um, would suggest that we're still pretty resilient um, and we still do react to adverse situations well. Um, I just don't think it's quite clicking for us yet and I think it's more of a, we're looking to sort of develop the way we play. Um, and I think it's more of a, a tactical thing than it is anything else. I don't think we've quite worked out how to play with Nunes yet. I think some of the early crosses in the first half, we're trying to find him too quickly. I think Trent was too eager to hit the to find Nunes, and I think it's more that than an actual mentality thing, personally. That 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 I think that's what I was getting at in that mentality. Fair enough, you know there is that, of course, there's that fighting spirit. What's instilled in in the Liverpool side under Jurgen Klopp. But it's it's doing the basics of you only need the mentality to come back because you're going behind so much. Yeah, if that, and... if, that if that makes sense, and you know, I, again, I'm not, not trying to compare to Manchester City because I'm sure that there's you know lots of that throughout the season. But it's you look at City. I, I don't know when they're going to next concede a goal. <laughs> you know, it it it's that kind of thing on the ball, and it, it's just because then they they don't need to come from behind because they're not conceding goals. So they're just the differences that make it what it is at the moment at this moment in time. I think there's a bigger elements of control with City. I think yeah yeah. There's there's also in terms of what you're saying there, Dan. You know, I, I take your point fully in, t- in terms of coming back. It's just you know we've kind of half come back in the games if you if you get what I mean and it's like it's just one of them unfortunately where both games it's a good way to get a bad result really um and we have been able to sort of to drag it back and get a point but how valuable necessarily is that point going to be the position we're in but we'll come on to that in a few minutes after we've talked 
about this Nunez red card. Um, I'll, I'll give you my three red match review now, actually. Um, so I've gone with Hall of Shame uh, because I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat that. It's it's unfortunately going to go down as probably sort of one of the worst Premier League debuts, one of the worst Liverpool debuts. And I'm not saying that the performance from Nunez was bad in terms of the details, you know, for him to get. I think there was a couple of good sort of moments, even like in terms of like link up play, which is, is one of the, the concerns that people have about him. Um, and sort of good technical moments, you know, getting the position to have chances, all that sort of thing, perfectly fine. But the game is going to be remembered for him slicing about three big chances and him getting sent off in the way that he did, which was obviously idiotic. Um, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a sec, but Dan, I want to bring you in on it. Um, I mean, what what do you think of, of that of that moment um, and, and what it means, I suppose? I mean, yeah, idiotic is probably an absolutely fair way of summing it up, unfortunately. Um, and it's so pivotal to obviously how the game pans out. Like, we're trying to get back into the matches it is. Um, and then to lose sort of one of your main attacking assets when you're trying to do that is just huge. Obviously, it's a numerical advantage as well, or a disadvantage from our point of view. And also, like... When you look at the options we had on the bench without Firmino and without Jota around, you know, we're just we're behind the, the eight ball from the outset, really. Um, and Nunes just can't react like that. It, it's it's petulant, it's immature. People will say, and we might look back on it in, in years to come, say, oh, this South American sort of flair. And we've seen Luis Suarez sprung to mind, actually, pretty much soon after, soon after it happened. Um, but you just need to learn and you just can't react like that because defenders will see that and they'll they'll pry on it and they'll wind him up. And because he's a handful, like he's hard work to defend against. You can see that. Like he wins stuff and he makes life difficult. So defenders will try and rile him up in different ways. And that's not going to be the first time we see like what Anderson did there. And so I think Anderson gives him a little slap on the head and Nunes just reacts. And I don't think there's a great deal in the head, but but there's enough for a red card and at that stage of the game, it's criminal, really. Um, we're lucky to get back into it with a bit of magic from Diaz. Um, Nunes has just got to learn. He's got to learn fast. Chris, if if you're Jürgen Klopp in the dressing room after that game, how do you deal with that? Do you think he's almost not going to say anything to him tonight? And do you think he might wait and give it a couple of days? Because it's almost one of those moments where he's going to be under no illusions as to how big a mistake that is to do that. And and he's also going to be incredibly hurt, you'd imagine, given the significance of this night in his career. It's almost one of them where the manager doesn't actually need to do that much. Or do you think this is actually a moment where Klopp's man management has to, you know, has to shine through and he kind of has to kind of intervene and um, make it sort of, I don't know, a real sort of discipline moment for him too. I think, first of all, I think we can all agree it was quite an emotional night in terms of how charged it was. Um, certainly being in the crowd, it was, there was a, there was a angry frustration um, throughout the crowd just in terms of the way it was going. And of course, when you see what happened with Nunez, I, I will be totally honest. What, when it happened, I looked up at the clock literally as it happened. So 
I then looked back down and it was more of a reaction of seeing the referee go to his top pocket, pull out the red card and being like, oh my word, he sent Nunez off. Like, and but you just see Anderson on the ground, and of course, I watch it then when I when I get out the ground, and it's it's totally the correct decision. If I was Jurgen Klopp, to answer your question, I would, I would probably react to how I how I'd react to uh, my set off players on Football Manager. I don't see any point in going in on the lad tonight. I really don't. Um, I think he'll he'll feel awful for one. He'll feel absolutely horrendous. And I think Jurgen Klopp's the kind of person to go, right, just go home, go sleep, go get some rest, and we'll discuss this tomorrow. Because no doubt it's a discipline issue. No doubt whatsoever. Because every other centre-back in the Premier League now, apart from Man United, Bournemouth, and Newcastle centre-backs for now, is going to be looking at what Anderson's done there and going, hmm, there's a way in there. There's a way into the mentality. There's a way into his head. So it's a bigger thing than that now where other people can see that he might get easily frustrated, easily wound up when it's not going his way. And I also, I don't know what you guys think about this. He's a very active young man on social media. I would certainly be take, I would be logging out of those apps for a good few weeks. I would just be getting my head down, training. I would not. I wouldn't even glance at a single social media app until after he comes back in the derby. I really wouldn't, just because I think now is the time. Focus and and recap and just calm down after what's happened tonight, just because it was such an emotional night. And you've actually almost touched on something I wanted to say, really, because... Great minds. Yeah, but if we remember back to pre-season, when we talked about it on here, when... Oh, of course, is, of course. When, it, when he's engaging with criticism online, that says to me that, you know, obviously the criticism is ridiculous and we spoke about that, but it says to me that he is very sort of heart on his sleeve kind of footballer yeah. in a way, um, plays with his emotion, really showing. Um, and obviously that's something that you can harness. And I think Liverpool kind of do that, for example, uh, with a player like Luis Diaz and, and other players in the squad too, because I, I just want to sort of profile all, all the South Americans under this label by any means. But I do think there might be a bit of a temperament issue there. I think he needs to keep his... It's it's one of them. And I think all young athletes who are sort of aspiring to reach the top, or, or a lot of them certainly kind of have to go through this in a way, and it doesn't obviously have to be as dramatic as it was tonight, but they have to like realize how to channel their this sort of desire that he has and the hunger and, and the fire that he has he needs to, he needs to cha- sort of channel that into the right kind of emotions and the right kind of outlet as opposed to it spilling over as, as it did tonight in that moment of frustration and I think that is a key thing for him from a psychological point of view and that's just based on what I've seen from him so far in terms of the amount of kind of visible emotion that's there and that needing to be controlled and used in the right way, like I say. Um, and in terms of what you mentioned about uh, centre-backs trying to rile him up, 100% that's going to be a thing now. Absolutely no doubt about it. It's probably going to be along the lines of what we used to see with Diego Costa all the time, people trying to get him sent off. And that is why the temperament thing is going to be so important because he needs to be ice cold in those situations now. He needs to not rise to it. He almost needs to laugh at it. Um, yeah. And, you know, that maybe that again 
is where the coaching comes in from sort of the, the man management perspective. I just think we also need to stress, and we'll move on from this in a second, but we just need to stress, you know, tonight was bad in, in kind of two different ways, really, really bad. But up to this point, he'd played 70 minutes, he'd scored twice, he'd assisted two goals. He was looking really good. I still believe, personally, I think we all should, that he's going to score at least 20 this season, probably quite a few more than that, based on what we've seen. Um, we don't need to make any judgments about the signing, I don't think, tonight. I think we just need to realise that there are going to be challenges, and, and that's what tonight has shown us in a pretty emphatic way. Um, and I guess we've just got to hope that this is a moment we look back on at the end of this season or in a few seasons' time as kind of a seminal moment in his career and, and a key learning experience. But obviously, in the immediate future, he is part of the reason, you'd have to say, that Liverpool have dropped points uh, for the second game in succession and already find themselves four behind Man City. Um, Dan, back to you. What does this kind of mean for the title race? How pessimistic does it make you feel? Or do you still... I mean, I know you're an inherently optimistic fan. Has that optimism sort of... How much has it been damaged, I suppose, by the, the couple of results we've seen? Um. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, obviously, it was very unexpected in terms of I never thought I'd be sitting here two games in, two draws. Um, I'm still optimistic because I always am, like you say, but it's a long season. We're, we are only two games in. It still is only August. There's no doubt in that it's, it's a crushing blow because we've seen the levels of us and City are so high that draws are essentially defeats. Um but yeah, I am still very optimistic that we will mount a serious title challenge, whether it's enough to get us over the line or not is a different story as ever. Um, because we are still, you know, essentially on for an undefeated season if we can make that happen. The warning signs are there that we're not quite as clinical as we have been previously. And um, I think that's fair. Certainly tonight that was the case. But I think the the signs are also there. We're going to be a formidable outfit once again. I think the injury situation right now is crippling and certainly not what I expected two games in. Like it seems like it's like two or three seasons ago whereby every day there was somebody else missing and it's just brutal. It really is. Um, but yeah, I am so optimistic that we will mount a serious title challenge. Um, and I like to think that you two feel the same. I mean, yeah, 10 injuries. First of all, something we haven't really mentioned before that point in the podcast. That's a big factor. Um, and you talk about Firmino and Jota um, not being available, for example. I think in an ideal world, Klopp maybe isn't starting Nunez in the sort of the, the second league game of the season. Um, I think maybe his preference was to, was to ease him in, but kind of his substitute performances and Firmino's struggle against Fulham probably um, maybe accelerated um, that a little bit, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that wasn't the case equally. It's not some a point I'm really sort of too adamant about. But Chris, I'll come to you on the on the title race question now, um, and then I'll I'll give my kind of verdict on it. Yeah, um, I like the point from Dan. By the way, um, draws are like defeats, or they feel like them, um, because <laughs> that's the way it feels now, doesn't it? With the standard of Manchester City, I, I know. Um, straight after the game, um, of course, we had a bit of a chat in the in the um, in the group chat, didn't we? And just you know, 
immediate emotions and those kind of things. Um, it's mad that we have to be talking about a title race two games in. If you know, about an hour after the game, I'm sat here thinking it's frustrating, <laughs> really, that we have to, but we do. Um, my biggest issue is I'm 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 looking at it in a few different ways, and one of the ways that I'm looking at it is. And this is not to disrespect Newcastle, but City are going to be seven, seven points ahead by kickoff on Monday. So kick kickoff a week today at Old Trafford, City will be seven points ahead. And I am very confident when I say that. And I'm the reason why I say that is just because you know the points I raised earlier. I don't. I don't know when City are going to next concede a goal. Never mind when the next going to drop points, and that is that straight away is a bit of a psychological thing because you know we you know we say about players not looking at the league table or we say do players look at the league table and things like that. Players don't need to look at the league table nowadays because you know how points work. You know this early on in the season, you know what the situation would be, and I just think that. It, it's it's such a you know Old Trafford next week. It's such a crucial game because, of course, of course, so much has been said about Manchester United against Brighton, against Brentford, and you know, the, the complete disaster they suffered down in down in London. But it's still a situation where Ten Hag is going to be sat there all week now analysing everything. And, Again, I just I know we'll talk. I know there's a United uh, preview later in the week and that, but I just don't see how United are going to be as bad <laughs> next week. So, you know that again. That there's just about a thousand thoughts going through my head right now. Um, so it's a situation where right now the title race is probably the last thing on my mind, if I'm honest, just because of the way these first two games have gone. Without trying to sound negative. Yeah, and, you know, that's a key point in a way because we can talk about it like Liverpool have dropped these points and now everything's going to be, it's like, you can't. it's not going to be we're looking back on these two points and everything else is going to be rosy and these are going to be the, 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 the games that are the issues at the right at the start of the season. It's like the results are, are problematic and elements of the performance are problematic too. And I think you've both kind of touched on that in a way. Um there are some warning signs in there, like you yeah. said, Dan, and we can't just disregard them. We can't just think of it purely in terms of drop points now. How many points are going to be dropped in the future because of the issues that we're seeing um, at the beginning of this season and how serious are those issues and and how much is it going to be something that gets ironed out as we get players back, as we gel stylistically um, and maybe um, as things just start to normalise a little bit. Um who knows? But what I would say is, and I tweeted this um, after the game, Liverpool drew um, to Brentford and Brighton last season um, and lost to Leicester and West Ham. So they've already drawn with as many teams outside the big six as they did the whole of last season. And if you think of it that way, they've used already used up a lot of their allocation of kind of results that you'd call slip-ups, um, to be honest. Um so the margin for error was already tiny and, and now it's absolutely minuscule really over the course of the season based on the fact that City look like they're very much going to be a team still 
who can reach the mid 90s in terms of points. But again, very, very early to be making predictions um, in either direction. And we'll try and finish the podcast on a more positive note if we can. Um, Dan, I'll come to you. Positives from tonight? Yeah, and I think there are. I think there are many, um, as you probably expect from me. Um, I do think the performance was was sort of typical Liverpool in places. Um, I think Harvey Elliott was exceptional. Chris alluded to him earlier. We couldn't wax Liverpool about him like we'd like as a result, but I think he was brilliant. One of the few players who always wanted the ball and always looked to make things happen. I thought he was exceptional. Um, and I think Luis Diaz, um, particularly when we, went, when we went down to 10 men, became like a man possessed out of nowhere. He had a relatively quiet sort of opening hour. Then when we went down to 10, he just took the ball by the horns, obviously scored that incredible goal um, and just had a whole new lease of life, basically. So there were positives um, and there definitely are positives moving forwards. And Chris, is there anything else you kind of pick out in addition to that as things that are giving you a bit of comfort at this moment? I would say... Apart from Diaz and Elliot, who I do think were the standouts today, if that's Joe Gomez with a knock, then I can't wait for a fully fit Joe Gomez. Inter- yeah, when we talk about the injury crisis, um, I just think I-, I get the reasons why he started on the bench, but I think once Zaha kind of because I thought I thought Nat Phillips dealt with him really well at the start. But something clicked, and once Zaha smelt blood with Nat Phillips, he kind of preyed on him. And look, Nat Phillips is one of the reasons why Liverpool got in the Champions League in 2020-2021. You know, a lot of respect for the guy. But you just saw the difference when Joe Gomez came on, about how much better he dealt with Zaha. And hopefully, he's going to be fit for Old Trafford next week. I was actually going to say... Gomez myself, to be honest, I thought he was really impressive uh, when he came on. In terms of just like winning the ball back quickly and getting Liverpool back yeah. on on the front foot, and and if he is, I think Matt, I think Klopp said something two weeks about uh, about Matip. So yeah, yeah. You're right. If we can see that at Old Trafford next week, then then that is encouraging because obviously that's going to be Liverpool going for the first three points. Um, and on Diaz, yeah, um, absolutely unbelievable goal, like. It is, like I said at the start of the podcast, it's such a shame that we can't just talk for 10 minutes about that, really, um, because of other sorts of prevailing factors, I suppose. But, yeah, one of the best you'll see all season. He looked like for, there was a spell there where I was thinking, is he about to win this game for us on his own? Uh, in the end, what he's done is he's gained us a point out of it because we could easily have lost that game, both in terms of going down to 10 men um, when we were losing 1-0. And, you know, they had chances at the end, you know. That, that if last week felt like a point lost uh, or two points lost, maybe this is a little bit more point gained. Um, but again, I'm reaching a little bit with that one in terms of you know the fixer that we actually had. Um, to be honest, but I won't try and impinge the the sort of more optimistic against the podcast too much. Um, like Chris alluded to earlier, we're going to be back towards the end of this week uh, to look ahead to that Man United game. Um, which is currently, I think, 12th against 20th, um, and both teams winless, which I'm not sure people would have predicted um, at the start of the season. But, yeah, that's just the way it is. So, we'll obviously talk plenty about that. So, yeah, we'll see you um, in a few days' time for that. But until then, let's try 
to sort of not get too upset about this result um, with only being two games this season. So yeah, take care.